Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. And we're so glad that you're here. Well, I have a question for you this morning. It's the question I've been asking you now for weeks. Are you full? You do realize that if you say yes, that uh, you are in the minority. I told you last week, uh, one of the stats that I discovered was that recently a study was done of churches, a thousand churches, and they asked the question about uh, and tried to gauge the spiritual growth of the congregation. And what they discovered is that only one out of ten of those that they uh, studied or surveyed said that they feel compelled by their faith to love God and love others. One out of ten. That tells me that emptiness prevails in the church. Oh, y'all didn't hear what I just said. Emptiness must prevail in the church because if we were full, there's no way we would say, hey, we don't feel compelled to love God and we don't feel compelled to love one another. So if we don't feel compelled to do that, we cannot be full. And so emptiness must prevail. So we've been challenging you and saying to you that Jesus wants us to be full. In fact, I've said it like this to you. Jesus didn't just come to save you. Jesus came to fill you. And I've proven that to you. We've been reading the same passages of Scripture now for four weeks. We're going to read it again this morning, but we're going to read it a little bit differently, all right? So, so hang with me. You're going to insert your name, all right? So, so I've been reading to you out of John chapter 10, verse 10, and then out of Colossians chapter 2. And we're going to slow down here just a little bit, and I want you to insert your name, so I'll help you. It says, John chapter 10, verse 10 says, The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. Then he says, I came... Put the scripture up there, Dev. Can you put it up there? I came that you, uh, no, back up right there, that, that you may have, uh, that they may have and enjoy life, all right? So we're going to stop there and we're going to insert, I came, and then you're going to say your name, all right? And, and then we're going to finish the verse, okay? So, so the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that Steve may have life or have and enjoy life and have it in abundance, come on Dev, stay with me, have it in abundance to full till it overflows, all right? So, so are you with me? So he's talking about you, the they is you, okay? Now Colossians, uh, same way, you don't need a telescope, a microscope, or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without him. Now here we go, you're going to insert your name. When Steve came, comes to him, that fullness comes together for Steve too. His power extends over everything. All right, so we need to personalize it because that's what he's talking about. That when Jesus came, he came so that I personally can have life and have it to the full. So uh, we've been talking about that we're not called to just be saved. We're called to, in, be, to experience fullness of life. And so I've been trying to clearly state for you what we should be full of. Because my concern is, is if that nine or one out of ten feel compelled to share their faith... Uh, to love God and to love others, if only one out of ten, what that tells me is we don't even know what we're supposed to be full of. And so we said first we should be thankful. In every situation, there should be a spirit of gratitude about us. We should be the most thankful people in the entire world. 
and it should carry over to how we talk to one another and, and to treat each other. Then I said that we should be purposeful. And we talked about finding your must. You've got to find the thing that God says to you that you must be full of, that you must be about, that you must be involved in. As you find your must or your purpose, you will be full. So let's go forward. John chapter 1. Going to read a very familiar portion of scripture here. Talk about it a little bit and then add something to it. John chapter 1 beginning in verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Y'all missed it. Jesus was full of it. He was full of grace and truth, right? Okay, so John makes it abundantly clear right off the get-go that Jesus is, uh, was going to arrive on the scene, and when he does, he is going to be entirely full to the brim of grace. We're going we're gonna to stay on the grace this morning because we already did truth bombs last year, so we're going to specify on grace. And, and what I would submit to you this morning is that it was very apparent that Jesus... His life, his ministry was marked by grace. I, now, I don't even have time, but as you read the account of Jesus' life, you cannot come to the conclusion, there's the only conclusion you can come to was that he was full of grace. And I don't have time to remind or reflect on all the, the areas and all the examples of this, but I just want to just kind of, just some highlights, just real quick. Just, I'm not even going to give you the scripture reference. You can go do that on your own. Uh, just some highlights. For instance, here's some examples. How about the woman caught in adultery? Uh, others wanted to stone her. He cleared her. That, that's an example of grace. The woman that washed his feet. Others wanted to throw her out, but Jesus was so full of grace that he grants her entrance. Right? How, how about the woman at the well? Others wanted to avoid her. Jesus literally deters and reschedules his agenda to go and meet with her so that he can help her be full as well. Right? That's grace. Uh, another instance is uh, one of his three best friends denies him. He turns his back on him. And Jesus hands Peter a mulligan. Try this again. He offers him grace. Right? And then perhaps the greatest example that I want to draw your attention to this morning is how about how Jesus dealt with the thief on the cross. Notice I said the thief on the cross. Notice it does not say, you can go read it for yourself, it doesn't say the one accused. Because if he's accused, it leaves the question of whether or not he was guilty. Because he might not be guilty. But in this instance, the jury's already given the decision. The judgment has already been pronounced. He is a thief. He's guilty. And, you know, we try not to make uh, our own ideas and agendas into the scripture. But, but I have to believe that uh, either he's a repeat offender... Or maybe this is his first time, he's a first time theft, but he stole something so significant that it lands him on the cross, right? So this is a bad dude. This guy doesn't deserve grace. And yet, right in the middle of all of this, Jesus on the cross is so gracious to him that he extends him entry into heaven. Jesus was full. But See, what we do is we read John chapter 1, verse 14, and we fail to continue to read. We like that verse of Scripture, but we forget to continue to read. Because when you continue to read, 
what you do is you come to John chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Because in verse 16 and 17 it says this, Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Okay. For the law was given to Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Okay, y'all missed that because you didn't get excited. Because what he's saying is that Jesus was so full of grace that he arrives on the scene and he finds people that have already been extended grace and he gives them more grace in place of the grace that they've already been given. Oh, y'all missed that. I'm going to say that one more time. He arrives on the scene and he comes into contact with people who've already been given grace. They've been chosen by God. And now he's so full of grace that he gives them additional grace and a greater measure of grace on top of the grace they've already been given. All right? Isn't that awesome? Good, because he did the same for us. In fact, what's going on is John makes it abundantly clear that Jesus' fullness, the fullness of grace that he had inside of him, made it possible, but not only possible, expected, and a foregone conclusion that now we must be graceful. Another way to say that is graceful people should be full of grace. Uh, we have all received grace so that now we can in turn extend grace to those around us. So what I want to challenge you then as we, we're, believe it or not, January's almost over, can't believe it, we're, but we're approaching the end of January, but we're still kind of kicking the year off. I want to challenge you this morning that as passionate people, we must be full of grace. And there are two targets for that grace that I want us to hone in on this year. The first one is this. We must be graceful to others. To others. Have you ever stopped to consider that Jesus, uh, Jesus was a, a different kind of dude. I mean, Jesus was not easily offended. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, his life was so marked by grace that he was, you could spit on him, you could betray him, you could lie about him, you could talk about him, you could do all these, you could crucify him. And he still was full of grace. So I, I just want to throw this out there. This is just, I just want to throw this out there. You can apply it, I guess, hopefully. Your grace level is revealed by how easily you are offended. Okay. I want you to notice that nobody that Jesus offered grace to deserved it. You think about just even the examples that I gave you, those kind of people. Those are those kind of people. What kind of people? Okay. Prostitute. Okay, here you are. Uh, promiscuous. Pompous. And a prisoner. Grace was totally undeserved, but it was also totally unreserved. Jesus gave grace to people whether they deserved it or not. So I have a question. Who do you have in your life who has earned no grace and who deserves no grace? Okay, all right. 
Well, you say, well, it's not even possible to live like that. That's just a pipe dream. I, I don't think you can live like that. Then, may, then may, may I just point you back? Could I just point you back uh, to like one of the first followers of Jesus? We, 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 don't, we don't know. I, I, you know I'm, I don't know if he actually met Jesus face to face. I, I, I can't figure out the timeline. I'm not smart enough, so I don't know. But, but, but he was a follower of Christ because we want to we give ourselves like a, a loophole and say, well, those guys, they, they saw Jesus face to face, so that's why they could live like this. Maybe, but maybe in this case not because I'm just kind of thinking about Stephen. One of the earliest followers of Jesus and they're stoning him, like throwing rocks at him. And his response is to pray for them and to forgive them. And I, and I just struggle with that. How do you do that? Surely this is a pipe dream. This isn't even possible, except for the fact that Acts chapter 6, verse 8 says, this man was a man that was full of God's grace and power. Maybe we are offended and maybe we become revengeful because we aren't graceful. Paul comes on the scene and he goes one step further. And I don't like Paul sometimes because he does go one step further. Uh, but he goes one step further because he even takes it to this level. In Colossians chapter 4 verse 6 he says, Let your conversation be always full of grace. So Paul is saying, look, you should be so graceful towards others that even you're so graceful that it shows up in the way you talk to one another. Our, our dilemma is that too many of us allow grace to show up in our conversation in the church lobby, but then it never shows up again in the parking lot. In Ephesians chapter 4, he goes on and he says, be kind to one another. Be gentle with one another. You can't be gentle if you're not graceful. See, Jesus tells a parable in the New Testament. We call it the parable of the ungrateful servant. I'm not going to take time to read it to you. You remember the account. A man is, is, uh, owes the king a debt and, and can't pay it, and he forgives him, and then he goes out and finds a, a guy that owes him money and throws him in jail. Remember all that? We call it the ungrateful servant. But I submit to you this morning that we probably could rename it to the ungraceful servant. Too often, that's our story. We, we receive grace, but, but we never extend the same grace to anybody else. So what am I saying? I'm saying that we must remember that we have been the recipient of undeserved, unearned. You cannot earn the grace of God. You don't deserve the grace of God. We have been recipient of that type of, type of grace. Therefore, we should be quick to forgive, quick to give the benefit of the doubt, quick to be moved by compassion, quick to withhold judgment, quick to be filled with grace towards people. We should be graceful. Uh, back to the account of Jesus on the, on the cross. The thief is hanging next to him because I think it is the one account that probably shows the depth of his fullness. I, I want you to stop and think just about, the, just about the fact that Jesus is on the cross. Think about that. It, it is the most gruesome, painful, agonizing death maybe devised by man ever, still to this day. You can go online and read it. It will it'll tear your heart out to realize that our Savior went through that, uh, that the Romans perfected 
uh, the method of a slow, agonizing death. They wanted them to die slowly, to feel every bit of the pain. That's what he's enduring. And while he is enduring that, as an innocent man, he's innocent. He did not do what they said he did. He was innocent before God. He was innocent before man. While he's hanging there, enduring a death that he did not deserve, a guilty man, a guilty man, he deserves what he's getting. He's guilty. Calls out and asks for mercy. And in the midst, in the middle of Jesus' pain, He's so graceful that he offers grace. And I bring that to your attention because don't you know that when we are hurt, it is easy to justify hurting back. When we are enduring pain, when we are going through a difficult moment, when, when we are enduring trouble, when we are enduring Stripes when we're enduring turmoil in those moments, isn't it easy to justify not offering grace? I just want to bring that to your attention because I think some of you have allowed your pain level to lower your grace level. What are you in what you are enduring? And some of you are enduring some stuff. What you are enduring cannot be allowed to empty you of your grace. You can't let what is crucifying cripple your gracefulness. You cannot allow what you are going through to keep you from being able to offer grace to those around you. If you're going to bleed, you might as well bleed grace. If you're going to weep, you might as well weep out some grace. If you're going to scream, you might as well scream out some grace. You cannot allow the pain that you're going through to lower your grace level. Listen, you cannot be graceful if you are painful. You cannot be graceful if you are hateful. You cannot be graceful if you are spiteful. Full, Because if you are full of those things, then there's no room left for grace. We have to allow Jesus to empty us out of all those things and fill us to fullness with his grace so that we can extend grace to those around us. Who's crucifying you? Who's despitefully using you? Who, who, who's doing you wrong? Who's handing you the bad card? Who's going out of their way trying to demolish and destroy you? Who's doing all that stuff? Jesus would say, even in the midst of your pain, you can offer grace. It is time for us to be graceful and merciful so that while we go throughout this year, we offer grace to others. Because I want to tell you something. If we could ever grasp this, where we offer grace to those around us, we will handle offense better. We will handle hurt better. We will be more gracious. And here's the kicker. We will become more attractive to those who need grace. But, but there's a second target. The second target is this. Not only must we be uh, 
graceful to others, I came to tell you that it's time for you to be graceful to yourself. To be graceful means that we must examine our own life and offer grace where we don't deserve it. Too many of you are regretful. Too many of you are shameful. Too many of you are remorseful. And since you are full of those things, then what happens is we come into a service like this and we will amen when, it's, when we say we should be graceful to others, but we will never allow ourselves to apply grace to us. Listen, I just, need, I just came one purpose and one purpose only today other than to tell you to be graceful to the people around you. I came to tell you that Jesus has got enough grace for you too. I, I just came to tell you that this year is the year for you to forgive yourself. I'm going to say that again because that came back at me. This is the year for you to come to the place where you operating in the grace that Jesus has for you to forgive you. So, so let me say let me say these things because I think you probably need to hear this. What you did was stupid. Okay? Let's just be honest. The mistakes you've made, many of us, the mistakes we've made are terrible. They're ugly. People got hurt. We ruined people's lives. We made it harder for somebody. For many of us, the things that we did are despicable. They're unspeakable. And yet, all of that being true, I want to come back on the back end of that and say, there's still enough grace for you. Either Paul lied or what he declared about his examination of his own weakness was a word for God for him, but also for us. Because he received this word, and here's, here's the word that God gave him, because I guess he was whining about his weakness and examining his own shortcomings and failures like we all tend to do. And the word of the Lord comes to him and he says, My grace is sufficient. So if God's grace is sufficient for Paul, who was a murderer, who was a bigot, who was prejudiced, who was arrogant, then surely, if the word was true for him, it's got to be true for me. I just came this morning to tell you that it is time to embrace the sufficiency of Christ's grace. It is adequate because where great sin abounds, shortcomings abound, greater grace abounds, and you need to be graceful towards you. Let yourself off the hook. If you've repented and asked for forgiveness, then raise your head up and quit walking around full of shame and regret and remorse and recognize that His grace is sufficient for you. So my prayer for you is simply this this year. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. This is my prayer. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. 
Well, what does that mean, fool? That's what it means. That you would find this year your life consumed by the fullness of God's grace so that when people try to offend you, you can't be offended. And when people try to despitefully use you, you just give them grace. And when people try to do you wrong, you try to offer grace. And then when you look in the mirror and you see all your dirty laundry and that guy sits on your shoulder and says, you're scum and you did it and you're despicable and nobody likes you and you ruined everybody's life and you've messed up and it's never going to be the same and, and you just look in the mirror and go, yeah, true, but grace. May what was said about the disciples in the book of Acts be said about us? I, I, one time, will you give me permission to just bend scripture a little bit? I don't do this. You know I don't do this, but I'll explain what I'm going to do. In Acts chapter 4, verse 7, describing the disciples that were empowered by the Holy Spirit, it says this, great grace was upon them all. And now here's the bend. I, I recognize. I went and studied. I figured it out to make sure that I was bending it because I wanted to know so I could tell you. I recognize that in this particular account, the idea of great grace was on them all was favor. I, I get that. Everybody was talking good about them. I understand that. But may, may I bend it just one moment, just one moment. Can I, can I say that, please, this is how I want people to talk about us this year. That when they examine the people of passion and they try to hurt us, and we don't respond with anything but grace. They go, great grace was upon them all. When the enemy comes and tries to heap on shame and regret and, and all this stuff. And, and, and we look in the mirror and we've imprisoned ourselves by all that stuff. All of a sudden in 2017, instead, we can say, great grace was upon them. Because his grace is greater than all my faults. And his grace is greater than all my sin. And his grace is greater than any pain you can inflict on me. And his grace is greater than any betrayal that you can betray me with. His grace is sufficient. We must be graceful. Covered by grace. No one left out. Enemies covered by grace. No one outside the reach of grace. Guilty covered by grace. The wrong covered by grace. Those unlike us covered by grace. Those in deep sin covered by grace. Great grace. My prayer this year is that we would be so graceful that we would begin to offer grace to everyone, including ourselves. Even if they or we don't deserve it. I want the band and a couple of our singers to come this morning because I believe that if we can be graceful, then we will be gracious. And so what I'm asking you to do this morning is very simply this. I'm asking you in your own mind, in your own heart, as we get ready to come and pray together, I want you to examine these two things. One, who in your life you need to extend grace to? Who's hurt you? Who's done you wrong?
Who betrayed you? Who, who offended you at the deepest level of offense? Then may I this morning ask you to think about that person and perhaps come to the place where you would at least check with God and see if maybe his grace is sufficient for that. The second thing I want you to do is I want you to think about your own life and all of your mistakes and all your failures and all your shortcomings and all the times you've messed it up. If you don't know when that took place, lean over and ask your spouse. Because they're keeping record. But doesn't it play over in our mind like a videotape? I just think I'm up here glowing, no? I, come on now. There are days all day long, if I'm not careful, if I let the enemy get the upper hand, it just plays like a video tape. You did this, you said this. And I just want to say to you, this is your year. This is my year. This is your year. For us to open prison doors, they're not locked because he unlocked them. We just keep going back and in, closing, closing the door behind us because we've become accustomed living in that cell. The cell has been opened. And it, this is our year to be able to look ourselves square in the eye and have a conversation with ourselves. Self? Hey, Steve. Hey, buddy. My grace. Yeah, you messed it up. You were stupid. But my, my whole outlook my whole day changes and my whole perspective changes and I recognize that he came so that I could have so that Steve could have fullness of life Father this morning I pray that together we would be very honest there are some under the sound of my voice right now that are struggling to offer grace to certain individuals in their life the truth is is that they have endured significant injury, significant offense, significant pain. The truth is, Father, if we were in their shoes, we may struggle with that person as well. What the person did was wrong. They don't deserve grace. They have not earned grace. But I pray this morning... God, there are folks under the sound of my voice that they struggle when they look in the mirror because like a videotape, the enemy plays all their shortcomings over and over and over again. And they're willing to offer grace to everybody but themselves. So because they fell off the body, because they said what they did, because they took the actions that they took, because they hurt somebody. But I declare over us today that your grace is sufficient. I pray that we draw you to the success of being imprisoned by shame, regret, and instead our heart will be so full of grace that even though we know our past, we know our present better. would 
say, Steve, I am struggling to offer grace to someone in my life because they hurt me. trying to hurt you. It's not like they quit trying to hurt you. They continue to try to hurt you. If that's you this morning, I just believe that you can be so full of grace that even though they try their best, you're still so
when given the opportunity to be hurt, when given the opportunity to become revengeful, we will choose grace. It will be very difficult at times. We recognize that. This is not an easy ask. We're asking you to help us to err on the side of grace individually, corporately, as we do our dead level best to extend the same grace that you've given to us. God, I pray that we would be so much like your son Jesus and we would go out of our way to extend grace to those that don't deserve it. And Father, I pray that even, just like your son Jesus, even if we're hurt, right in the middle of pain, right in the middle of difficulty, right in the middle of uneasiness, I pray you would allow us to make the choice for grace. Help us to be great in grace. I pray that grace would abound in abundance. God, I pray that that would be true in how we interact with one another around here. I pray that when somebody sits in our chair, when somebody parks in our spot, when somebody walks by us and forgets to speak, when somebody bumps us, when somebody looks at us funny, I pray that this body would be so marked by great grace that we would forgive. Father, I pray that when people walk into this house, they don't look like us they don't live like us they're not in the same kind of relationship that we are in with you when we can offer judgment and ridicule and point a finger and share our opinion and our prejudice I pray that instead they would be so impacted that they would marvel at the level of grace declaration that would go out about passion is that great grace is on them all. Father, I pray that as we go through this year, the people that I've watched in our body walk around with our head down, reliving the painful moments of their life, acting like second-class citizens, acting less than unwilling to pursue your purpose because of shame. Unwilling to step up into their destiny because of their past. They count themselves as disqualified and discredited. I pray that this would be the day they could mark it down on their calendar January the 29th, 2017. They would be able to write it down and point back and say, that's the day I went free. That's the day I let the grace I gave everybody else come to me. I pray for those that have lived through the pain of a divorce, that have allowed that divorce to impact their life and to feel like they're second class. I pray that in Jesus' name right now, I speak great grace. Great grace. Great grace. Great grace. I pray for those that have experienced failed relationship, maybe with a, a sibling, maybe with a child, maybe with a relative, and, and, and the guilt of that. I pray 
great grace to them. Your grace is sufficient for them. I pray for those that have lied. I pray for those that have stolen. I pray for those that have cheated. I pray for those that have used somebody for their own selfish gain. I pray for someone that's been involved in, in wicked activities, nastiness. Shameful stuff. I speak great grace over us today. Your grace is sufficient. It's more than enough. It is more than enough. It is great grace. And I pray that this would be the day that we let ourselves out of jail and we go free as we become full of your grace. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This is how I want to stand this morning. I want you to find, before Tari comes to close this, I want you to find at least two people and say, you look good with grace on you. You look good with your grace full. Come on, Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress.